Amen seems the appropriate thing to say. Golly, I am very, very, very thankful to be led in worship by our team every week. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd, I think it would be fair to show them our appreciation for the job they do in <laughs> ushering us to the throne of God. thought I was going to give it up. I thought I was going to give up the voice and just say, I'm all in on this song. Tough. If I got it left, I got it left. If I don't, I don't. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I uh, want to say good morning to you. I'm excited uh, to have worshiped with you this morning and to continue to worship with you. My name is Keaton. I'm one of the pastors here. And today, we're going to be jumping back into our series, Lessons from the Wilderness. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Todd gave us an overview introduction to this series and to the book of Numbers from which we are uh, getting our, our text. And then last week, uh, we had a sermon on the family because uh, last week was Mother's Day. But we're going to get back in. And, and just so you know, I take uh, preparing to play my role in preaching from this series, Lessons from the Wilderness, very, like, very seriously, like, method actor seriously, okay? So I did the only thing I knew to do. I went and I purchased a tent, ready to really rough it. And I took said tent, and I went to the most rough wilderness I could think of, my kid's playroom. Yep. Yep, yep. It, it took up the whole room. <laughs> uh, and just, I know what you're thinking, like, you're, that's the most millennial dad thing you could possibly have done. And before you, before you throw stones at me for that, I, I would just submit to you this. If you could spend one hour, just one hour is all it would take, in my kid's playroom, I think that you would realize you, you really have no idea what uncivilized, just frontier justice kind of rough really is, Okay. It, it can be tough. Now, we, um, we have camped in there before uh, in the playroom, but we camp outside too, okay? So it's not, it's not too, uh, too snowflakey, I guess. If you'll open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 6, Numbers chapter 6 is where we will be today. <clears throat> and um, the first several chapters of Numbers, um, it's, it's a story about the people of Israel um, this people group, Israel, is under the leadership of Moses and ultimately the mighty, powerful Lord, Yahweh. Um, under that leadership, they have been miraculously led out of Egypt. And where we're going to pick up, they're currently camping at Mount Sinai, preparing for their journey through the wilderness. They will have likely been camping at this particular place for about a year, okay, and they're getting ready to go on this journey through the wilderness. God is, uh, has promised them this land, and their journey is through the wilderness to that land. But in the meantime, they are, they are set camping, and they're receiving instruction from the Lord. Uh, he is giving instructions to them and to Moses, and his instruction to them is through Moses, and those are things like this. The Lord tells him, I want you to take a census of the people. Okay, so he does that. He also says, uh, for each tribe, this is going to be the leader of that tribe. 
in this people group. He gives them other instructions about how they are to conduct themselves. There's certain times and, and circumstances that the, these folks need to be outside the camp, and then there are times and circumstances when they're allowed in the camp. There are particular places where they're allowed to go in the camp and places they're not. Um, he gives all types of instructions like that. He tells them how they are to handle and interact with the tabernacle, which is the structure uh, within uh, this structure is where God's presence is housed, okay? And he gives very specific instructions to the tribe of Levi about how to handle the tabernacle and how to look after it. Um, he also tells them how they're to be organized in the camp. I think Pastor Todd put a picture on the screen a couple of weeks ago. I wish I had asked for us to put it back up there today, but that's okay. Uh, in the center of camp was the tabernacle, the structure that housed the presence of God, and then around that would have been the priestly tribe of Levi. And then each tribe had a designated place to go in four different directions to camp outside of that. And that's how God said they were supposed to set up the camp. And so all of that transpires in the first five or six chapters of Numbers. And then we get to Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22, which is where we will read from today. God has a message. He speaks to Moses and says, give this blessing to Aaron, who is the leader of the priestly tribe of Levi, and have Aaron to speak this blessing over the people of Israel. I think you'll find this blessing very familiar because we've sung about it already this morning. And, and because of the song we've sung, I'm going to read these verses from the NIV um, this time. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Father in heaven, you are our, you are our good and giving father from whom we receive all spiritual blessings as we read earlier in Christ. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in this place as he already has. That we would continue to worship in spirit and in truth you, the one true God, as we give attention to your word and see the good things that you have for us. May we be transformed by our time spent in worship with you. In Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. So in the days that this text was written in the Old Testament, a spoken blessing was just a really big deal, okay? Um, today, it's a little more casual. Uh, for instance, if I was to sneeze right now, you would respond with, bless you. Why do we do that? I do it all the time. I have... No idea why we do that. As a matter of fact, I had someone, uh, Mr. Michael Langley Sr. came up to me. Uh, I haven't confirmed this, and he told me he hadn't either, but he said back in the day, with I can never say this word right, so just help me. The, is it the bubonic plague or the bluebonic plague? Yeah, that. Um, 
people were dying all the time, and the practice, medical practice of the day, and I don't know if this is even true today or not, or just was then, I'm not sure, but when you sneeze, your heart like would stop for a moment, you stop breathing, and everybody was dying, and they thought, we're not taking a chance with this guy either, God bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. I don't know if that's true or not, if that's the origin of that phrase, but we say God bless you. I say God bless you when people sneeze. I don't know. I went to school with a girl, and maybe y'all can help me with this too. The first service was a little afraid to tell me. She had one of those sneezes, like, you know the type, right? Like the girl sneezed, the, yeah, choo. Is that even real? Do people, is that, are they trying to sneeze that way, or is that how it really sounds? Nobody wants to incriminate themselves, I guess. I don't know if it's real or not, but what I do know is she would sneeze like that, and then every single time she would say, God bless me. I think that's against the rules. I don't think you can, I don't think you can invoke your own blessing from God after you sneeze. I think you just got to, like everybody else, wait your turn for someone to say it to you. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, yeah, we say, bless you. Another thing that we're privy to because we're here in the, the good old South is this phrase, bless their heart. Bless their heart. We got a couple of pictures up here for you. Uh, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying that you have terrible luck at thinking. <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> We've got a graph up here next. Uh, we're going to start over here underneath the title, Usage of Bless Your Heart, uh, this one on the top left, I'm praying for you. That's great. That's a great use of bless your heart, right? I'm praying for you. Um, how about this one? I don't care, but I feel like I should. I, I mean, bonus points for being honest, I guess. Um, this one over here on the right, you're pitiful, but you don't know it yet. <clears throat> I just wonder how many people have said bless their heart to me, and that's, they're like, yeah. How about this one on the bottom? Bless your heart. Can I bring you a casserole? Uh, that's, that's kind, right? And look, it takes up a large part of the pie chart. And the answer is yes, anytime, always, absolutely. Uh, the last one over here at the bottom, bless your heart. I wish I could say what I'm really thinking. Yes, I think the phrase bless your heart is an excuse to just be ugly and hateful, <laughs> but um, sometimes, apparently, the graph doesn't lie. It's, it's, it's not always mean. Uh, one last picture for you. Nobody has a better bless your heart face than Reba. Am I right? It's just the best. She has the best one. Those are fun, and we're just trying to have a fun moment, but a spoken blessing, it just probably doesn't carry the same weight across the board for us today as it used to. In the Old Testament, a blessing back then, I mean, it was on the same level as a prophecy, on the same level as a will of, of someone who was um, trying, to, trying, trying to convey their will um, to someone else. In fact, um, some of you guys will be very familiar with the story, um, and, and if I mix their names up, I'm bad when we get in these Old Testament stories about grabbing from a previous generation and, and getting their names wrong. So if I say a name wrong, just yell it out, okay? Um, but you'll know the story of Isaac. Isaac is getting old in age, and he's ready to give a blessing to his son. He's lost his sight, as a matter of fact. And so he, um, he has twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Esau is the oldest, just by a little bit. 
and he is ready to bless Esau. So he tells him, I want you to go out, I want you to take some wild game, and then I want you to prepare a meal for me that I might bless you. Just a footnote here, Esau was a very hairy young man, okay? Um, His brother Jacob, not so much. Mom, Rebecca, hears this transaction happen, and she says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to prepare a meal. You're going to put on this hide that makes you seem as hairy as your brother. We're going to trick your father, Isaac. Logical thing to do, right? There, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of dysfunction in this family, and it's kind of ironic that we sang this song about favor being on your children and their children. There was some generational dysfunction in this family, but that's another sermon for another day. So, <clears throat> Jacob comes in to his father's presence, and he says, wow, that was fast, and they speak for a minute, and then Isaac says, who are you? And he says, I'm your oldest son, Esau, and Isaac thinks, man, he, he doesn't really sound like him. He puts his hand on his arm, and he's like, well, feels like Esau. It must be Esau. And later on, even puts his hand on the back of his neck, which he's also disguised. And he's like, must be Esau. He's hairy, just like Esau. A long story short, he eats the meal. And then Isaac turns around and he blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. Speaks this blessing that's beautiful. We don't have time to get into it today over him. And then Jacob leaves. Esau comes in. And Isaac says, who are you? And he says, I'm your oldest son, Esau. And he says, what? And the Bible says that Isaac trembled. In that moment, he knew he had messed up. And Esau, he explains to Esau what happened. And Esau is distraught. And he begs him, don't you have another blessing for me? And I'll be honest with you, for the longest time, I thought, Isaac, you gave the blessing, you spoke it, why can't you just revoke it? Just, do we, do, we don't do take backs in the Old Testament? Like, they tricked me, that's not right, let's make it right. And I'm not going to say I know for certain why all that is, but here's what I think. By the way, he goes on and he blesses Esau, if you want to call it that, it's just not nearly as, as good of a prophecy or a will or a blessing as Jacob got. But the spoken blessing was just a really, really big deal in the Old Testament. And when these two brothers were born, there was a prophecy spoken that the younger would rule over the older. And I tend to think that Isaac, who had shown favoritism to his oldest son Esau their whole life, realized this is just not the way it's meant to be. The Lord has a different plan, and I'm tired of putting up a fight against it. And so he just lets that blessing go. I'm not sure if that's completely all there is to that answer, but that's just what I tend to think. Here's what we know. That spoken blessing was a very, very big deal. Also, another interesting point about the book of Numbers that we're studying, we're kind of in the early parts of it, and we see that God gives a blessing to Aaron to speak to and over the people of Israel. Later in the book, we'll encounter a character by the name of Balaam, who the king of Moab hired to speak curses over Israel, but God wouldn't allow him to curse the people of Israel. All he could speak were blessings. 
What's crazy about that, well, there's a lot of crazy stuff about that, but one crazy thing about that is he's speaking blessings because he can't help it by a guy that hired him to speak cursings because he was afraid. The people of Israel are being rebellious and murmuring and complaining the whole time. They're oblivious to the blessing being spoken over them. So here in our text today, we see a blessing spoken over and to the people of Israel. We'll kind of almost bookend this, these lessons from the wilderness at the end with blessings that were spoken over to a people who were rebellious and unknowing. So the question comes up, does this particular blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, apply to us? God said he gave this blessing to Aaron to speak over the people of Israel. We are not the people of Israel, but... According to God's word and Paul's many, many letters to the New Testament churches, he calls us this over and over and over and over again, the holy people of God. Over and over again, he says, I'm writing to God's holy people. He also almost almost every time says, I'm writing to God's holy people, and then he uses this salutation, grace and peace, grace and peace. And peace. It sounds a lot like this ironic blessing, right? To God's people, grace and peace. I want to look at one of those letters this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read a, we read a couple of these verses earlier. We'll read a few more this morning right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Bless you. Oh, y'all beat me. (laughs) Uh, Paul is chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you what? Grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? blessed us with every spiritual what? Blessing. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's only because of Jesus, by the way. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son who forgave our sins. He has showered us. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I think it's fair to say that this blessing for the people of Israel has so many little nuggets in it that the Lord wants for us his holy people as a part of a New Testament church, if you will. And I think it's fair to say that he wants to bless us, that he wants for us grace and peace. So let's take another look 
at Numbers chapter 6, starting with verse 24, when Aaron begins to speak. uh, Well, the blessing the Lord gives for Aaron to speak. He says, the Lord bless you. I think this, some idea of this gets lost on us today. But originally when this was written, the idea there would have been for the Lord to to get down on a knee face to face with his child. The Lord bless you. And if you'll remember, we look back, well, we didn't really, but we talked about the first several chapters of this book. God's giving instruction. He's giving rules. He's given these laws for the benefit of his people. But we see God the lawgiver, the transcendent, powerful, holy God of the universe. He gets down before his children. Those of you that are parents, this is familiar territory to you. I I hope it is. You get down on the same level as your child. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord watch over you and preserve you, the same God that kneels before his children to show intimacy, to show connection, he is more than capable to stand and to protect and to fight for you. Amen, church? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. We hear about instances in scripture where the Moses face shone with the glory of God, and God says that no man can look upon the face of God. There's just too much glory there. And yet he says in this prayer, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The idea here is to show favor. We'll talk a little more about what this favor is not and what it is, but but the Lord show his favor to you, his beloved and yet rebellious children. The Lord turn his face towards you. We have gotten the attention of Almighty God. He has turned his attention, his focus towards us and give you peace. This giving is not like um, I'm extending my hand out here to Ray and he's going to extend his hand out and grab whatever it is I have to give him. The idea here is the Lord's going the total distance and he is giving, he is setting upon, he is placing on his children peace. We see Jesus many, many years after this going the total distance, amen. God's going the entire way, and he's placing, he's setting upon us peace, shalom, completeness, a soundness of mind with his mind on our welfare. So we'll say again, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and graciously show his favor to you. The Lord turns his attention to you, child, and places on you completeness and peace. I think it's a good idea to talk about what this blessing is not because 
Um, I, I guess I wasn't aware it was this. I knew this was an issue, but not as big of an issue as it seemed to be in doing some research to get ready for this sermon. Almost everything I found was a sermon by someone trying to perpetuate this prosperity gospel. And let me just tell you, church, this blessing from God is not, it is not a guarantee for your financial affluence. It's just not. If God has blessed you with finances, that is great, that is wonderful, but there's just no real guarantee of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us that it's easier. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And you may be thinking, well, I'm sitting pretty then because I'm not rich. Compared to the rest of the world, church, we are very, very rich. Very rich. This is not guaranteeing piles of money in your bank account. If you have those things, that is good and great. And the Lord has obviously afforded you the opportunity to, do the, to those because he's the owner of everything. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to him anyway. We need to be thankful and good stewards of those resources. But there's no guarantee of them. This is also not a guarantee that it's going to be easy street. Life is going to be simple and grand and great. That's just not... That's just not a guarantee. And I'm not telling some of you guys in this room anything. You're aware. Life is, life is difficult at times. Jesus, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he opens up with a section that we in the church world commonly call the Beatitudes. You know what the very first thing he says is? Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. Again, no guarantee for financial affluence. Later down the list, he says, blessed are the persecuted. Again, theirs is the kingdom of God. Our Savior was poor and harshly persecuted. There's absolutely no guarantee that our life will be different than that. What is this blessing, man? What is it? I think it's this. It's a holy God getting on the same level as his beloved and yet rebellious child. It's the almighty God battling to preserve us against spiritual attack. It's favor from God, not necessarily in the sense of money or ease of life or power or anything like that, but favor in the form of intimate moments of connection with God that can only be found as fulfilling as they are in God. That kind of favor. This blessing is pleasure filling the face of God as he looks on you, his child, and he sees the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. This blessing is shalom when our world is wrecked by just the crazy political things going on or, or tragedy. It's the peace of God when you get a diagnosis that your loved one is in a really bad way. It's the peace that you can't 
understand or comprehend outside of God providing it for you because everything else around you tells you you should be in absolute chaos and despair. And there were some very specific ways that I wanted to venture into explaining that, but I'll hold off more than anything probably so I don't just fall apart up here in front of you. So how do we apply this truth to our lives then? I think the first thing we need to do is receive a blessing. We're not just real good at receiving gifts in our culture. It can be very difficult for us. But God has a blessing for his children. We need to receive a blessing. And I would say this too. We need to recognize that we are in fact blessed. Amen, church? We sang that song earlier, I'm counting every blessing. I mean, you could use an entire blue line pad to do that. It, it's just the Lord has been so good to us, so good. And it's, it is a good practice and healthy to recognize those blessings. So receive a blessing and, and recognize how blessed we are. The second thing I would say, um, and we'll come back to that first one in a minute, but the second thing I would say is be a person that speaks blessing over people. You've been blessed. If you're a child of God, you've been blessed. Amen? So speak blessing. I've heard it said that, that your words and all the words you use, you're either speaking death or you're speaking life. And I'm not going so far as to say like the power of positivity thing here. This is much more spiritual in nature than that. It's much bigger than that. If you have received the blessing and been called a child of God, it's, it should just be in our nature to speak blessing over others. God gave this blessing to Aaron, the leader of the priestly tribe of Levi, to speak over his people, Israel. And you have a people. You have a tribe. And God wants you to speak blessing over that people group, over that tribe, over that family. Third, we should thank God for his ultimate blessing in Jesus Christ. Amen. If we couldn't count a single other blessing from God, we still couldn't put into words how incredible a gift we have in Christ Jesus. We were utterly without hope, lost, better yet, dead in our sins and transgressions. No way to enjoy a relationship with God the Father. And in his divine providence, he said he chose us from before to adopt us into his family. He sent Jesus Christ to this earth in the fullness of time to live a perfectly sinless life. Jesus proclaimed the good news of the gospel, but ultimately he went to the cross of Calvary and he hung on that cross to die a criminal's death that he did not deserve. He did it to pay the debt that you owed and that I owed so that we could be right in the eyes of God the Father. And Jesus really did die. He was placed in a tomb. And you know the rest. After three days, the Holy Spirit of the living God raised Jesus back from the dead so that we could repent of our sins and, and trust this Jesus, 
choose to follow Jesus and be adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of the King. What an ultimate blessing we have from God, and we should be thankful, church. I'm going to ask a couple from the band earlier to be making their way back up here. As I said first, we want to receive a blessing this morning. And if you can't say that that third thing is true of you, that you can be thankful to God for the blessing of Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never repented of your sins and trusted Jesus to forgive those sins and chosen to follow him, In this moment, we beg you to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit as he's prompting you. God is drawing you to himself. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but there's no more fulfilling life than a life that is following after Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus today. If you are a child of God, you have been blessed. And we want to have a moment to allow you to receive that blessing. In the Jewish culture, it would have been normal for them to sing this blessing over people. And, and the way we sing it will sound wildly different than the way they would have. But, but the content is the same and the objective is the same. We want to speak and sing this blessing over you this morning. Receive it, church. Whatever posture you need to take to do that, if you need to, to remain in your seats with head bowed and trying to block out the distractions to just hear from the Lord, then do that. If, if you have been prompted, you've, you've received the blessing and you know you need to be speaking it, then get with your tribe, as it were, your family, and, and speak this blessing. Join in with them as they sing and, and speak it over them. Maybe you need to come here to the steps and, and just get as close to prostrate as you can before the Lord. Whatever you need to do, receive a blessing. If you need to, speak it over your people. Ultimately, let's be thankful for God's blessing in our lives as we hear this spoken and sung over us. Lord bless you and keep you Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn His face toward you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you lord turn his face toward you and give you peace if you agree sing Amen. 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 Amen.
more time, the Lord bless. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Be blessed, church. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and we say thank you. We thank you for allowing us to worship you in this place with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for using every bit of our worship to give you praise, to edify us, and to even be a witness to the unbeliever who has been here to experience it with us. May you continue to draw them to yourself. May you use the testimony of the people in this place whether we're still in this room or out and about in our world, that we've been marked as being a blessed people, and it's obvious. And we're found speaking blessings over others. Again, for your glory, for our benefit, and as a testimony to others. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name.